0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: I the sky the... Welcome to New Dimensions with your host, Reverend Nicholas Barrett. Our identities are not labels, identifying who we are to others. Rather, they are found in God's riches, His likeness, and character. We can discover our true selves and live the way He has intended for us to live. Now, here is Reverend Nicholas Barrett.
0: Hello, it's Nicholas. Hello and welcome to New Dimensions. Uh, We're going literally all all over the world, all around the world, to about 60 countries. We're live here on the Voice America platform. You can get the show here 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every week on Wednesday. But also go on to iTunes and get any of the, these episodes and any previous episodes. The title for this week is, it's a great title. You know, we've got a journey to go on. We need to go back to go forward. It's a great journey. And before I get into the title, if really this is the place where negative thinking will no longer be an option for you. You know, it's a choice. This is the only day, this is the way I see it, this is the only day that I have, so I'm going to start living each one based out of that, based on the premise that it's my last day, because when I deliberately start to value my day more, because it could be my last, I value myself more, and out of that, people around me more, the circumstances more, opportunities more. All of these things start to look different, but that's the only thing that can change in our lives. It's an internal change of the way we see ourselves and our time that will predicate the difference. So I believe that's what we're going out all over the world. This is going to be about disunity. I did several episodes in October. I need to stay current as a show because my purpose wasn't to build myself and the platform was really to build you and hopefully the platform will follow. I know we have people from all over the world that may like this platform and may want to see it grow and I'm hoping that God wants to see this grow but the country needs really a shift and this is something really that the world is very disunified but we're talking particularly about United States at the moment. You know, we've been living addicted to self, blind to other people and the things around us. We have a default mode of hanging in there when the reality is that if we were decaying really like a mouthful of cavities. You know, we just need to stop focusing really on the building of platforms and self, whether it's politics or whether it's any other kind of platform and really put our focus on building people. And that's really one of the problems when we're building self people become obsolete almost because we're trying to get to the step that we need to get to. So we're really we're hemorrhaging as people from the arteries, we're emotionally hemorrhaging and we're just trying to stop the bleeding with a band-aid. It just doesn't work. But I wanted to thank you. I know with this topic it's going to be promoted the show on iTunes, we'll get a lot of people from all over the country listening because it is I've told them that I see vision and hope in the circumstance that we're in right now. But I want to thank you for making this time a part of your day. It's It means a lot to me. I believe really that I'm divinely aligned to be here. I wouldn't have gone through 100 hours or 20 years really of preparing for this show because I know all cultures really well. I grew up in London and I have a, a black black friends of mine, Africans from Jamaica, that or on my mother's deathbed at the time of her crash. So they're, they're like brothers to me. And I also see a white culture. So I can see really the whole spectrum. But it is, you know, I believe we're divinely aligned to be positioned here. Nothing is by coincidence. It's by orchestration, even things happening in our world and country. If you go over the thousands of years, everything has happened as a building block to the next. So sometimes it's the ones really that are hard to avoid, are sort of the steps we really need to be in? We need to get uncomfortable to get to the next level. Many platforms are silent because you know it's uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable for me to do the show? But I'm impartial. I don't see color, I don't see politics, I don't see a separation in people. I see people by the blood flowing through their veins all being the same. The moment I step into partiality, I'm reacting. Most platforms in, in, in this country are reacting and they're seeing black and white. They're seeing this and that. It's wrong actually for all people because all people are hurting from a different level. Ones with small minds that are perpetrating their vengeance on other people as a control or to make themselves feel better or by what they've learned is coming from a limitation and also from a pain because when I inflict pain on one person, it's everywhere. So did I almost get taken out by life? Yes. Did I think the uncertainty and strife would never end? Yes. You know, I honestly believe we get to a place when everything in our life has gone south. You're either there now today, or you may be going there at some point in your, in your life. All of us will experience changes, fluxes, relationship changes, health changes, financial fluctuations. And in America, really one of the greatest social shifts in history. And believing we're at the premises, not of a calamity, but of the potential to make things greater, better for all people. These are epic times. The life that we thought we knew, the one we could predict or even control, moves from under our feet, leaving us in free fall. Many of us are feeling this way. Life changes so fast that it takes time for us to catch up to the change. The change happens and the mind follows, but it's it's a delayed reaction. And we go through all those stages. We go through the limbic emotional stages that we're reacting to things that were done sometimes 400 years ago in terms of uh, African-American slavery and channeled through generation, great-great-great-grandparents, grandparents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all of these things. And a reaction from the outside is triggering deep pain, pain of how we see ourselves, pain of how we see other people. It's not rational thinking. It's trapped in, in in what I call the limbic zone, in the reactivity zone. So... It's like being thrown out of an aircraft and really waiting for the parachute to open up. And I think a lot of us are doing that, particularly African-Americans. We were comfortable for a while, for eight years when Obama was in office. Actually, we weren't, but I'm going to cover that because that was divinely aligned too. All of these things will be revealed in the show. We were comfortable. We weren't really comfortable. And what has happened, there's a lot of resentment has been born on both sides, a white... Subculture, because there are many white people like myself that don't that see opportunity in all people, and this is what we need to unify. We need to do what we have never done before to get that. So, you know, you're left with a choice: you can either throw it all away, or you can really start beginning to live this is when the work really begins. America, you know, America's jacked up. We need to start working together to make it a country that all people can hold their heads high, regardless of their skin color. Must be, as the name says, united. At present, I really believe I'm, we're technologically modernistic, but societally archaic. But Let's get into the title, and I'll repeat that again. We are technologically modernistic, but societally archaic. It means we're looking to the future for advances in business and technology, but in uh, societally, we're really in the back mirror because we have done nothing about it, but that is potential, and I want you to see this is going to be a positive show. It's not going to be a doom and despair show. I'm not going to waste 44 years, 45 years of living and and bring you a show that's not going to really be a changer. So I I get one opportunity. I'm in a studio here all by myself on a computer speaking to the world. I have no chance to re-record this, no chance to re-edit it. It goes live on iTunes. If I was interacting with 10,000 people in Times Square, it would be actually much easier for me to present because I I would really bring it hard, but I can't. It's on a podcast. So I'm bringing it hard but flowing it to you. We need to go back to go forward. We've just seen a historic election. Or was it not so much historic, but an accurate manifestation of the psyche of a disunited States of America 2016? Really think about that. Was it an accurate manifestation of the psyche of the way our country is at the moment? And I'll talk about this later in the show. You know, we have those in denial, those implicitly or explicitly participating, in other words, subconsciously, implicitly participating, in other words, they're reacting to something in them that will make them look at a black person differently, or they're explicitly participating. I get hate all the time on Twitter, I get hundreds of thousands of people interacting with some of my posts. Uh, Some of it are really threatening and malicious and I couldn't repeat it. But you know what, that enforces me and my belief that I'm doing the right thing. And we also have those people that see opportunity for a shift there are many lights but a lot of people are not talking right now and uh, this is why i left several churches i was in as a pastor god wanted me to present this message and i'm giving you i'm going to be very honest the message i'm giving you i would not be allowed to do this in a church they honestly and i'm not critiquing them most of them don't want to rock the boat they're just trying to hang on to the tithings they're getting to keep functioning I've given well over seven figures since 2012, seven figures of my own money to pursue my, my God goal. I, it would have been easier to stay counseling people before it was nutrition, it was then psychology, and have a very nice life. I didn't really need to be doing this, but I'm doing it because from trial and tribulation, losing parents through various tragedies, I have been pulled in not to do my work, but I'm believing to do God's work in this. So. This show will not be partial. It will not be partial to Democrats or Republicans. It will not be emotionally charged and reactive. I will not use this as a black issue or a white issue because the moment I do any of these things, them and us will perpetuate. We've had this since the 50s and 60s. It was going on. Martin Luther King came and did some great work. But um, some of that, beginning Citizens from Muslim, it was uh, basically looking at, things from separation we need to change we need to do what we've never done before we need to bring the family together a country is a family so the moment I take a stand for any of those things I just mentioned with a bias I take on an implicit participation implicit's the most cunning because it's in my subconscious I don't realize I'm doing it but really my subconscious is reacting to things around me and that often people who are in denial like that but in their private life, that's how they think and I, I've done so much social media for six months, I wanted to see the black culture really in depth although I know it, but I wanted to see the pain and I interact with many 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 people, many many people and sometimes they follow me on Twitter and say look, in an hour we love each other and I can meet African Americans in coffee shops and, because the barrier's not there, we feel it and five minutes later we're, we're, it's as though we've known each other all our lives we, and I may have racists listening to the show that hate what I'm saying, but we need to change what we have not done before. And, you know, we, we can't do this reactively. People that have done it before, it's been done, and then they realize towards the end, wait a second, I get more response when I'm doing it collectively. It's a collective problem. So I'm believing both perpetrator and oppressed are hurting, as racism in one place is racism everywhere. Participation is the source of what perpetuates our social dysfunction. Remember, anything that you resent, and this is messages for somebody, anything you resent and strongly react to in another human being is also inside of you, because you've just reacted to what they have, but you also have it. So we must focus uh, on an opportunity to unify people using platforms. We need all people in a discussion as our issues affect the entire society. You know, And I, I say again, our issues have never been solved because movements have, have through protest and partiality. And I'm seeing this on social media. A lot of people mean good, but we're going to still walk around in the same circle we've been walking around since the 50s and 60s. It's longer than that. Do we want change, or do we simply want to do the same thing to try and get change? And this message, I will send this iTunes podcast to Oprah Winfrey. I have several people from my channel have seen my other podcast uh, uh, Shows the one from ten five and twenty twelve, and they've liked it. So, because I'm going to go to where we need to go. Lasting change can only come by protest, correction. Lasting change it cannot come by protest, but through process. Only a process can give you lasting change, not a protest. So a mentality remember it was created through process so it can only be changed through a process. There's a, there is a reason why this has happened. There's a trail, there's a history in the back that needs to be solved before we can go forward. So, and I believe nothing much has changed. Black people have always felt unsafe, unre- disrespected and uncomfortable. And I've counseled thousands you know, probably hundreds of thousands in my time. So the greatest barrier to change is a desire to want the other person's cancer to be terminal. If I want, if I have vengeance or anger towards a a racist and I want their cancer to be terminal, in other words, if I don't want them to get better through enlightenment and discussion and platforms and an education, the reality is we'll have perpetually a there must divide. We're feeding that divide. So I want to break this down I want to break this down to people so you can really understand it. It's a hard thing to break down because a lot of us are really stuck. America is like a dysfunctional, view it like this, like a dysfunctional abusive relationship. It sustains itself by the feeding off the other's pain. The perpetrators of the abuse on one side a wink, thinking societally marginalized, and I will stress this, a white subculture. It's a percentage. There's many, many people that are good that want change. We have to understand this. Who from their environmental conditioning, and this is really where you need to let them go, because if you hold their poison, you'll always, you'll die by their poison. Their environmental conditioning, which has been falsely created through a meme. A meme is passed down. It's a learned way of behaving and operating. It's their reality, and they're holding an entire black culture as its prey. So, in other words, all people are hurting. Hurt people hurt people. It's a fact. Let me just really break it down to you. Let me elucidate it, uh, date it to you this way. The American culture is a relationship between blacks and whites, with one desperate to maintain its story, its l- meme, which they believe is real. It needs to be fed with a narrative to be sustained, and the other, an African American people that were forced to remain in the relationship through a history and background of enforced slavery. This actually happened in 1619 when I've, I covered a lot more of this. You probably need to go to my show, This Unity from 10:5, and the encore edition the week after from 10:12 of October. In 1619, 20 people came from a barge, mostly from West Africa and Africa. And between 1619 and 1865, approximately 380 to 450,000 African-Americans were subject to enforced slavery. So we need to really go back. So. Let me just bring it to you this way. We need to. Have, this is airing the background. Take a husband and wife in a relationship. It's the same thing in any relationship. We're talking about a cultural one, but I'm trying to bring it, elucidate it to you in this way. The wife was forced away from her family to marry the husband. She was then brutally beaten, raped, victimized, and used for work for the first part of their marriage. Let's say the first 10 years of her marriage she experienced this. Then many years later, let's say 20 or 30 years later, the husband expects it to be fine, even though the... The cause of the abuse in the early part of their relationship was never addressed. He expects for her to hold hands with him and smile and then pretend nothing ever happened in the past. And to then tell people and friends how great their marriage has always been. Guys, this is really what America has been and is still trying to do. We cannot walk forward in unity expecting the pain to magically vanish as if there were no past. That's That's why we've never had a functional society. It would be like spilling red wine on a white rug and then putting a, a, a mat on it and expecting the stain to go away. No, no, no. I mean, it, this is crazy, but it's true. It's, it's true. Any, that's how a relationship is between people in society. All of them are. It's past hurts that are predicating in the present that have never been addressed. Educationally, they've never been addressed in many ways. But I'll cover this as we go along with this episode. You know, we really have a sham educational syllabus where the past history is made to look like it never happened, and we then expect to walk together in a healthy relationship. I mean, come on, somebody. The truth is that we have to, what we have done before didn't work. So we need to do what we have never done before to change. We need to change lots of structures to have what we all want. I'm believing we all want a society that everybody can be comfortable and be respected. I mean, we don't have that. I'm believing we all want this, and this is a preposis right now. You know, you've got to do what nobody wants, to get uncomfortable before we can get comfortable. Just like in any relationship, the one I just mentioned of the marriage, yes, it's uncomfortable to go back, but we need to go back to heal to realize that many times racists have done it through Yes, there is certain abuse they've been experienced to maybe in their childhood, but many times that's what they've learned. So we need to let that go in order to seize the future for us so a relationship can be healthy. That's how I, when I counsel a marriage relationship, to, to be healthy. The pain is always in the present, but the solution can never to be hold hands and walk forward and pretend the past never happened. It can never be solved by reactivity, because this is what we have now in our country. We're a nation paralyzed in anger, fear, and hopelessness. The root root cause is always in the past. So, and I put this on social media, America is gripped by limbic reactivity. It's an, an emotional reaction to what happened. The election of Donald Trump triggered the pain in black people, feeling that it was a vote against them, whereby a certain percentage of white subculture, and I'm stressing this, are feeding their false meme their story, thinking it was a vote for them each side believes that what they're thinking is right. You must understand this. Racism, and I'm gonna put this out there, racism is not a political party, but a conditioned mentality living in a toxic heart. And I'll repeat this again. Racism is not a political party. It's it's a a conditioned mentality of a person living in a toxic heart that then puts it into action. If I'm conditioned mentally in order to put something into action, my heart obviously is toxic. So if Hillary Clinton won the election, we'd we'd still have all the police shootings of unarmed black people that we've been seeing for the last year. We'd still have the discomfort in our society between blacks and whites. I'm just putting that out there. She was not the answer. Donald's not the answer. It's people the answer. This hasn't changed much since the 50s and 60s. We've had Democrats and Republicans, all different political clothing that have resulted to where we're standing right now if it was the resolve of the political parties, guess what? I won't be doing this show. I won't be going through this. So if we want to solve this, we've got to really stop blaming things on Trump and instead take the responsibility of doing the work ourselves. And again, I'm going to call this all platforms, need to step up, and including wealthy African-American platforms that I've been approaching. You need to step up. You'll not lose money you've made. In actual fact, the country will be even greater. And I'm putting, really putting this strongly out there. The country will even be greater if we take responsibility and start to speak and get everybody involved actively in a discussion we've never had as people. It's always been reaction. Um, We're about to take a break, and I will see you in the next segment. Thank you so much for giving me this time. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericanpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world.
0: Motivate. Change. Succeed. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose?
1: tuned in to new dimensions to reach reverend nicholas or his guests today please call in to one 346 9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com now back to new dimensions
0: Welcome back. We took a short break because the topic really is its concerning everybody. It's concerning white Americans, concerning African Americans. We're in this reactivity mode, and it's releasing hopelessness, fear, and in some people, anger. In some people, they see it's a potential to make themselves stronger, not in unity, but in disunity. Well, I'm better than you. You're better than me. No, we need to stop this and really sit back, take a deep breath, and then get our higher selves. Our higher selves is a rational self. The moment we step out of reactivity, we can get into proactivity. So the solution is proactively seeing both sides of the table. I can't solve a war, and it is a kind of a war. It's a social, spiritual war. You know, we're all made in one God, the 7 billion people. And a lot of us have become... Godless, and I mean this don't mean this disrespectfully, but we've forgotten what our source is. We're spiritual beings having a human moment. We need to really sit down and put the wall, the veneer. We all believe a story, and it's that story which is our mind. There's three things we hear. I'm going off the the message I'm going to give you in a minute, but I need to say this. Three things we hear. We hear the voice of friends and media. That's very strong. Media's selling fear. They're selling fear. They're actually selling division. Because when you're selling anger aimed at either African-Americans or a white subculture, where are we going to go with that? When I'm putting fire on fire, I'm going to continue to do this. We need to put sand on the fire and go countercultural. So we hear from that, the media and our friends, and there's so much negativity. I sat in coffee shops and it's very partial stuff because nobody really has a higher self right now in this. I've been praying on this and I've been really prepared not just to do this show now. I believe when I met Mike Harvey 30 years ago, my uh, Jamaican friend, and he believes in me. Several um, African-Americans and um, English people from Africa, they really believe that I've been called to do this because I'm coming from a place really of a helicopter above. It's not, I'm, not that I'm better than anybody else, but I can see both sides, both sides. And the, the doctor comes not to kill the person with the poison, but he comes to cure the cause, not the symptoms. When we look at the behavior of something, we're never going to solve it. We need to look at the cause. So the doctor comes not to cure the symptoms, but he comes to cure the cause. You must really get this on your heart. But I've got a long journey. I did a show on the 5th of October called Disunity X-Rated, and I did a show on the 12th of October called Disunity X-Rated. X-rated Encore Edition. They cover more stuff. I mean, I could probably do 10 of these shows, but I'm, I really need to stay current. I need to give you as much as I can. I'm giving all of myself, all of I've, I've got to this show, and I've really put it all in there. So when we have pain, talking about the pain body now, when we have pain from a negative experience in our past, in this case, speaking to um, African-Americans, it's a family line of slavery and oppression. It's stored deeply in our limbic emotional mind. The system lies dormant in a self subconscious pain bank in you. When it's triggered by an external circumstance or a change in circumstance, such as we've seen in this election, people assumed straight away that Donald Trump's a white supremacist and he'll become, the, he'll become their new president. So an emotional outpouring came. Emotional outpouring came, even though we had all these racial problems before the election. And I'm not taking sides of either Hillary O'Donnell because I'll never solve this problem for us as a country. We had all these problems before because they've started manifesting since 1619. Slavery started it, and it's the culture that's passed on from certain uneducated people to certain uneducated people. And even if somebody's hurt, they'll pick on two things, something weaker than them. They'll pick on a wife to beat, okay? They'll pick on a, um, a dog to kick around the house, or if it's a white... Racist, they'll pick on a black person because they've been told in their lifetime that that's where they came from. They, they came from a position of weakness and you are greater. It's, it's all of this is a, a very, it's a reality in their mind, but it's illusionary. It's the part of the conditioned mind. And the conditioned mind is all of our human problems we're seeing visible right now in America. It's in other parts of the world, but I've got to address where I'm at this platform. So I speak to thousands of black people and I have hundreds of thousands of um, African-Americans on my Twitter feed. You know, I've had a black woman telling me they haven't slept, that they feel like apologizing for being born black. And that why, why do white people hate them? This is the individual reality and the pain that some are trapped in every day of their lives. This is precisely why we've never solved our country's issues. You know, what we have in America is an individual and collective pain body because as I say, racism racism here is racism everywhere. Injustice on your doorstep is injustice on everybody's doorstep. It becomes individual and joint. You know, what is done to one person affects all people. It's not precinctual, it's endemic of our, our system. And I've done thousands of hours of work on this and I've had thousands of interactions with white supremacists and African-Americans and I've been attacked by by all of, by, from all guises I've been attacked. But when I speak to African-Americans and interact with them and they really see that I'm not a threat because I don't see them as them and us, I see them as all of, be collectively us and we have a problem, they go, wow. Uh, reverend nicholas or whatever they call me you, you see it but i do see it because i'm not involved i'm involved in it but i'm not reacting to it that's the difference i'm the doctor that's come to heal the cause so remember this when one person hurts another they at the same time are hurting themselves and if you're an african-american listening and i did this in some of my other shows you need to listen to those shows a lot of people that conduct racist behavior have been abused in their childhood. They've known dysfunction because truly, truly, I have so many fine white American friends. They're good people. They would not treat another human being with disrespect because they respect themselves. It all starts off from that. If I hate myself and don't respect myself, I'm gonna vent it on something I think is weaker. So a minority is weaker. We're 13% of the country, African Americans. So boom, your target practice. And at the same time, um, African-Americans, you can't take on that meme. I, I know it's been passed from generation to generation that you are hated, that there's something wrong with you. You are right. God created it. So people have to step up, not you, the people around you. And it's through education. I'm going to elucidate this even more. So I say I've been on social media, I've done hundreds of thousands of interactions and posts, and the hate of a certain white culture, they remain desperate to maintain their story, to maintain the story I just told you. We have the story of the media, we have the story of, well, God's voice, which is very low for a lot of people, but we have the mind committee, that's the story. Our story of our life is like a suitcase. Wherever we go, we take our previous past experiences, our perceptions and our thoughts and analysis from those tucked into a suitcase, and when the suitcase comes out, it edits things around us, bingo, like a movie. We have a perpetual movie. I've given you about five hours psychology in one because you really don't have the time to do all of this on this show. So when we live with a separate self-contained false reality, black people are less and something to be tolerated like a cough in whites. That's how they feel. It's crazy but true. Blacks have only known oppression. And a white subculture has only known what they've learned from their parents and their parents from their great-grandparents, their great-grandparents and their great-great-great-grandparents and so forth. So the educational system teaches a sham history of Europeans made Native Americans extinct, so only the, the more aware are in tune with what is actually going on. In addition, we have a white uh, society that's either in denial. There's three types. You, we're either in denial, we're either implicitly participating, which is our subconscious mind. It's it's the one that's very very sly and slick, the little fox that comes in sometimes. Or explicitly, we're out right there, like I see on media. Or the ones where th- this predicates that they're a the psyche or some confused and scared that really want to change and, and don't know how to do it. And they're really rooting platforms like mine on. I'm believing there's enough of them out there that want to make a change. And I really do. I believe in humanity still. I believe in hope. I believe in better things to come. I'm believing this now is a premises that's strong enough. So we're at a stage in our history that will give rise to I believe a God movement, a shift like no time before. And as we know, God operates in divine alignment and orchestration. He permits chaos because out of that chaos, he then creates order. There is an alignment to what you're experiencing today as a nation. It didn't just metamorphosize out of the blue. It didn't just come out of a Kellogg's packet. It happened through a train of events. Let's look at it. Let's break it down. Obama, Colin Kaepernick, Trump. This is a shift, guys, let me explain. All this needed to happen to position us for where we are right now, the shift that I'm believing God wants and the universe wants. And more of all, we, us, us, we want. We've always been like a simmering pot of water. It's, you know, it's always been simmering, the tension. But now it's beginning to get to boiling point. Just to envisage that pot, simmer, 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 all of a sudden you hear a noise, you come down in your kitchen, the water's boiling over. That's where we are. But the great thing about the boiling and the simmering Boiling, simmering, turning to boiling is it's coming out all over your floor. And that's when we act. That's when we move. When things come to boiling point, actually, it's God's way of shifting. So we must stop looking, looking really at the behavior of something and start to look at the issues. And I'll break it down Obama encouraged African Americans that maybe the mentality of America towards them had significantly changed. The result of this is anger in a white subculture desperate to hold on to their story because they felt challenged, disillusionment, disappointment and anger and hopelessness. And that's in a black culture. They're just disillusioned, disappointed that not enough had happened because when you're thinking something miraculous happened and it did, something world change or epic happened, your hope is in that. And when you feel it's failed, like we're feeling now, we get anger and hopelessness. So um, anger also in a white subculture that this happened in the first place and now they're trying to hold on to a, a, a dated meme. I mean, racism is, is really archaic. It's dated. It shouldn't be happening now. There is no place in 2016 for that kind of mentality that was brought out at the 1619s to 1865. It really is your, it's a com- new computer, an Apple computer with a 1619 Uh, software. And we'll go on now to Colin Kaepernick. I'm going to break this down individually. He brought renewed talk of injustice and inequality to African Americans. Now all blacks and whites are talking about it. It served a purpose whether you object to his platform or not. I believe looking at the good because it, it served a purpose. It got him on Time Magazine and it got me to have those previous shows This was just part of the simmering pot of water that was made to boil. Obama raised the water level more. Colin Kaepernick raised the simmering water in the boiling pot more. And now Trump has got it to boiling point. He triggered limbic America to react out of its pain and past dysfunction. A marriage, a dysfunctional marriage between blacks and whites. So we actually needed Trump to, and many times what we think is working against us will work for us. And I'm feeling this really strongly. We needed Trump to get the water to a boiling point. Of course, it's not Trump that caused uh, that caused racism. That started 400 years ago, and it's been passed on from generation to generation. But he was predicated there because God appointed him and chose him because he wouldn't be there. And it was this b- water. Visualise. Close your eyes. Water was simmering. We put a bomber in it. Water became hotter. We put Colin Kaepernick in it, water almost started to boil. We put Donald, and your kitchen now is full of boiling hot water coming out of your stove. So this is how it works. So let's break it down like this. Obama, as he approaches his final months months in office, many have come to a grim conclusion. I didn't know how racist America was. I've done a lot of research on this. I didn't know how racist America was until it elected its first black president. You know, what really has happened over the past eight years, there's no way to unsee it or unlive it or wash it away. You know, in the last eight years, I've witnessed these on social media. We've seen a poster of Obama dressed as an African witch doctor. I've recently seen on social media, on Twitter, images of First Lady Michelle Obama depicted in a gorilla mask as a gorilla. Even ahead head of a school, she was actually fired. She was head of a college in the Midwest. Said, what's that gorilla going to do once her husband loses his job? So, and... Sp- Thousands of racist comments on Facebook, including some death threats from some from white supremacists. So the aftermath of Obama, I'm believing a shift is taking place from many blacks. I can hear it in conversations. Some say they've never felt so much pessimism about white America, Such hopelessness. Privately, they're, I'm believing they're sad for Obama to go, but also a little bit relieved. It's not that black people aren't proud of Obama or his family or his achievements. His approval ratings amongst blacks have been at all-time highs throughout his presidency. It's been very high. But the pride has come at a cost of pain. It's been accompanied by pain. So during Barack Obama's expectance speech in 2008, he stated if any of you thought that You still had doubts about America is a place where things are not possible. Tonight's your answer. All things are possible. He did this in front of the, a, a row of American flags. Obama's election was described at the time as unthinkable, a break-to, and a national catharsis. So eight le- years later, we've been left with the aftermath, and it's triggering pain in blacks and whites alike. So... I read an extract from CNN Politics. I'm going to be really brief with this because we've got a long way to cover. Some black people unfriended white America during Obama's presidency because they'd hear a remark from a white co-worker argue over something Obama was facing and suddenly a close relationship would turn chilly. I read also an extract um, that was from a career advisor in Illinois in 2008 that had some of her co-workers warning her about Obama's first presidential run. We won't let this happen, they said. Or after he was elected, he might be president. You're still not in control. You know, the lady said, you don't know where this is coming from, but you wonder whether people had this, had been politically correct before, or if this, some, I think they held in their hearts for a long time and are now just beginning to be vocal about it. It's really, un, you know, unsettling. Um, But some blacks saw racial venom in the way Obama was treated. White political figures called him boy, a food stamp president, an animal, and a tar baby. So I conclude this, that Obama's term was good because it showed that a black man could be elected, but it also was part of this alignment. If we look now at Trump, he talked about the election being rigged. So I believe a, a loss in faith in America's political system has been brewing for years you know, on both sides of the political debate. You know, Brexit in England was born from a lack of trust in institutions and infrastructure. And, and so I, I believe was exit. And I'm moving away from this being a racist vote because when we do that, we're never gonna solve it. We're them and us again. But, but ours was from something way more sinister and I'll elucidate this in the show, the criminality here is that a feeling of anger and disillusionment from every corner of American culture was the country has been deprived, really, of a serious election. Instead of the traditional campaign, they felt what they'd witnessed, really, was nothing more than a political reality show. Um... A Democrat, courtesy of an AIDS husband sexting habit, and also the FBI investigation, that didn't do much to help. Uh, and Donald Trump, with the constant media accusations of um, being a predator, being a predator on women, those things really created almost a political entertainment. It's never happened before. You know, it's not really politics. It became entertainment. So the tra- tragedy is while America was spellbound in the political debates and vitriol. Many failed to notice how this election had shifted ground beneath their feet. You know, hope has a powerful promise. Donald Trump promised to coal miners that um, there's 12,000 people uh, to a rally in Virginia, 12,000 people in Virginia, that the mines will, would be open again. But his popularity really in places that have people have been unemployed for 20 or 30 years. Uh, Democrats in McDowell had really lost faith where the coal mining was and that local government in their entire lives was controlled by the White House for the past quarter of a century. We can also witness this in the car business, where a lot of production from Ford has gone to Mexico. So a mostly 80% white working class with the promise of better things to come. It's a powerful elixir. But um, that's what you have today in any area of your life. It's more a result of what's been done in the past than what we're doing in the present. And again, Colin Kaepernick with a hope for people because it raised the talk of something that was always not necessarily above the table, but always covert. So it raised the talk. So really, if you look at the divine alignment, Obama predicated hope in um, African-Americans, but really in a way it never unified people because a lot of A lot of white culture tried to keep Obama down, and they saw that more as a divide because the problem was never solved. It's like the relationship that was tarred I explained to you in the first 10 years of the marriage. Obama was a rug on the stain, on the red stain on the carpet, and then... It never really solved the issue, which is the divide. The divide was there. You can't change a mentality by a president. It's not going to happen. It's by people and by education and by everybody being in a discussion. Colin Kaepernick, again, brought things to the boil, and Trump has really brought them to a boil, but I'm believing it can be used for good. Takeouts, what is the way forward? Um, the way forward really is education. The school system has to be really real about African-Americans and we need to broader, broaden the spectrum of what we consider too important to our students. At default, history is not just a, a white male one. We need to talk more about where the origins of African-Americans came from. This needs to be discussed so all parties can understand and get a better understanding for why people behave a certain way. And I read a report in school that it's only really into university um, schooling that people begin to really realize where the full story of the education was. I can't go over that because if you listen to the shows from 10.5 and 10.12, you will then be able to know a lot more. I, I can't dilute what I've got to say now, but please listen to those shows. A societal meme, and as I said, the meme, just to give you an idea exactly what that is, it's an element of our cultural system and behavior that's been passed on from person to person. So that very simply is from generation to generation. And I'm going to break it down to you like this. It wasn't very long ago when you called to make a restaurant reservation, you had to decide whether you want to sit in a smoking table or a non-smoking table. It really seemed like ancient times, doesn't it? But it wasn't really, it was about a decade ago. That's a cultural meme that shifted in a positive direction. Um, No one sitting in a restaurant ought to have to breathe in the noxious fumes caused by another, but people decided that it was an addictive behavior to them. But that wasn't really the case for many decades. There was a tipping point. When enough people begin to think that smoking in restaurants was unacceptable, then it finally became unacceptable. This is what we've got to do with the racist junk talk too. That's how it all started, the same way as all things in our society started. All it takes is enough people to do something for long enough that it reaches a point that it then becomes acceptable. In America today, it's acceptable to be a racist cop, a school bus driver, a teacher, a barista, a parent, because of our participation in it. And yes, things are only the way they are due to our participation. But we're going to take a short break, and I will see you in the final segment. Make Life Work with Kathy Ellis. is a mix of insights into human behavior about how we shape the culture and the culture that traps us and ideas and how to get out of our own way. Kathy has plenty to talk about from becoming true individuals to growing as a society. And she has some ideas for making business work, a family work, relationships work, and even how to get the kids to literally do more work. How to Make Life Work. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
1: Women in sport has come a long way in a reasonably short time. In the 1950s, most women's sport was casual, recreational competition, followed by snacks or a light lunch. Today, women's sport is competitive, powerful, and in the mainstream, whether it's collegiate, Olympics, or professional leagues. Tune in to Women and Sport The Long Road Up, where you'll discover the path that women's sport has taken over the past 50 years and more. Featuring your host, Carol A. Oglesby. Listen Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. tuned in to new dimensions to reach reverend nicholas or his guests today please call in to one 346 9141 that's one 346 9141 you may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com now back to new dimensions
0: Yes, hello again. Uh, We're starting now the final segment of the show. The final segment, I always say, is the first segment because knowledge comes from what you see and what you hear. So what we've heard is something that we can implement. I know there's going to be a lot of people from all sides of the fence. There'll be a lot of people not ready to accept it, but I'm trying to break down a neutral view. I want all people to heal. In other words, I want a white America through the changing of the educational syllabus and also just to be enlightened about why things are happening. A lot of us are not aware why things are happening. So, of course, nothing gets done because we, we stay in a state of confusion. But if we know why things are happening, so it was a certain electorate that were disillusioned with the Democratic Party. They've had the Republican in the House probably for 25 years, and it was really a wake-up call to them. But at the same time, it woke up a reaction in African-Americans that not enough has changed, even though Obama was in office for eight years. But at the same time, it, it spurred a lot of white, shall we say, supremacists that now think it's a vote for them, but really there's got to become a a meeting ground. So I'm believing it's educational, like I've discussed, that needs to change because when people know why they're behaving the way they're behaving, they can change the way they're behaving. That's one thing. And the meme, as I say, is a learned behavior. So just people need to get into discussion, just like they did with smoking. As I say, again, smoking was through people's addiction. They could do it in restaurants. Then we divided a restaurant between non-smoking section and a smoking section. And then after that, we got into another discussion, which then went to government and then was voted that there's in many areas there's no smoking at all. Just the same with racism. Not enough people are comfortable enough to discuss it without being in action, but a message I would bring live, and I'm going to appeal, I could take this to New York or in any platform a live message will be a condensed version of what we've done now, I've just needed for the purpose of our show, it's a one hour platform, to give you a broader base, so society needs to shift, platforms need to shift, education needs to change police hiring reforms you know, we need to acknowledge we have some excellent policemen, I have some friends that I buy coffee for who are policemen There's only a small percentage that are racist, and you need to listen to my other shows. They're hurting, and out of that, they've also had a corrupt meme. They're obviously bringing it with a racial bias onto other people, because hurt people hurt people. So recent videos we've been able to see, things have not really changed much since the 50s and 60s. They were covert in those times. Now things have just become more open. Uh, African-Americans are target practice for a small percentage of officers maybe that shouldn't have been hired in the first place. And they really mess it up for the good ones. That's all. There's always a tension between blacks and the police. It's a, a, a learned tension because it really, if we solve the issue, it shouldn't be there. So we need a hiring reform for potential police officers, better background checks if there's been any dysfunction or abuse in the family. Into in a screening process. And I'm believing also, as a psychologist, there needs to be a regular counseling and monitoring system to make sure they're okay. You know, it's a high-stress job. I mean, we've got to be thankful to those people for protecting us. It's a high-stress job. And people are the same as cars. We change the oil in the car before it malfunctions. A legal system that needs to be an accountability for police officers that kill unarmed African-Americans. There needs to be stiff custodial sentencing and the only way this can really work is on a per-case basis, with each case being looked at individually. And these, this is not really saying it. Really, this really has to be done, because when consequences come into play, there's nothing better than consequences to stop something for our actions, because they will know there's consequences, and also this will put it out to the public that there is no more injustice to be tolerated, that it's not going to happen that they go just on a paid vacation for killing an unemployed. Un- armed black person once there are consequences we then change the behavior penal and judicial reforms because prison sentences for black men were, were nearly 20% longer than those of white men for similar crimes in recent years and this is an analysis by the US sentencing commission it's a report from 2013 medium platforms i'm just breaking this down to you it's a much longer topic need to find a voice so all people can get into a discussion And finally, reparations. We need to make good what was never made good. And a United Nations group of people actually have been working on getting into the fray on the U.S. racial discrimination. And after 14 years and 20 days of speaking with U.S. officials, activists and families of people killed by police in major African cities, they've issued their own conclusions. The slave trade was a crime against humanity, and the U.S. government should pay reparations. They feel that African Americans indeed made such a significant contribution to the building of America that they should be repaid. So, in other words, make good for what was done. And this was a broad survey, but I will come to a close. And I'm hoping that I've really elucidated all corners. This is not about them, us. It's not about blacks and whites. It's about all things it's about all people and the reason why we're seeing it we're seeing all these shifts if we'd had maybe another four years of a certain term, things would have stayed the same. We don't want that to happen because quite clearly, we need to see a change. We need to see a change in, in what is going on. But it's been great reaching out to you. We've delved a lot into this topics, but I'm reaching out now to platforms. I have messages that can be done as the same 30 minutes, live messages. We need to all start to talk. All people, again, need to get into a discussion. I hope I've left you with some inspiration. I'm believing what we have now is a tool that could be worked for a better future. become in the open that weren't discussed. A topic is have, being discussed not only in social media, in bars, in people. More people need to discuss it because we need to really heal the cause not just talk about the behavior. We need more people of light to do this and I'm going to put everything I can into my ministry. As I say I've put everything in it financially but also emotionally being prepared to do it. I want to thank you. Um, thank God for giving me the ability and The light and the knowledge to do this and the heart to do it. Not an easy thing to do, and also for you for listening. Wherever you are, God bless, and we will speak to you real soon. Thank you for joining me this morning. It's been a pleasure and a privilege.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of New Dimensions. Please join Reverend Nicholas Barrett again next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a blessed week.